Put on your big Hollywood sunglasses and light the torch, because it's cellar time. Welcome to the Crack Cellar. As the prophecy was once evolved against its will using a thunderstone. I'm Two-Spirit Penguin Daniel. And I am successor to the Principality of Zeon, Broadcaster Nichols. Broadcaster. We're now two months into the holy year of 2022. Soon, on the day, two, 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 Elden Ring will be unleashed upon us. Are you feeling it? Do you feel the electricity in the air? No. <laughs> I can't believe you're I can't believe you're not excited. I'm gonna buy it. I'm gonna buy it. I'm gonna play it. Don't worry. I don't know. Something about Elden Ring just doesn't pump me up. I got more pumped up for Sekiro. Hmm. Or Sekiro. I don't know. Some maybe it's just the PR. You know, maybe they're just not doing much for Elden Ring and they're not trying to give away too much in the trailers. So you you get surprised more and yeah. maybe I'll and, you know, maybe I'll ha- I'll change my my tune, my tone a little bit. But yeah, I think I it's know. a subconscious thing with Game of Thrones because that ending to Game of Thrones was so bad that subconsciously you're like George R. R. Martin's going to ruin Bloodborne, too, isn't he? Yeah, I heard he didn't even really have any involvement with like writing, though. He just had like involvement with world building. Well, like, of course, there is no out. writing. This is yeah. a this is a fucking bloodborne Dark Souls game. There is <laughs> literally <true>. no writing. Very little writing. <laughs> yeah, I actually saw an interview where uh, one of the creators of the game. I don't know if it's the guy, but it's one of the big guys was talking about George R. R. Martin's involvement and he like started to laugh and he's like, I'm actually kind of worried what his reaction's gonna be when he sees what we've done to his creations. <laughs> Which I just I don't know what it is about that line, but I loved it. It's just <laughs> it just has like this uh this undercurrent things, to it. <laughs> uh, things change. Like Pet Cemetery. I was getting some Pet Cemetery vibes. Yeah. Sometimes dead's you know, better. <laughs> let me tell you something penguin man let me tell you something about things not changing yeah pokemon <laughs> i recently picked up a i think it's brilliant diamond and then the other one's shining pearl the whole how could it be shining diamond at once shining diamond no, no brilliant diamond why couldn't it be shining diamond that's bullshit what probably missed uh, opportunity lawsuits litigation yeah, okay. probably i don't know <laughs> That would be funny if that was uh, the reason but, why. <laughs> to get to the core of this, Pokemon, this is my first time I've played Pokemon since uh, Gold and Silver. Yeah. I think I played the Crystal, but with, that was just like the ultimate version of uh, Silver and Gold. But it was back in the Game Boy Color days. That was the last time I legitimately played a Pokemon game. Mm-hmm. And it has not changed since then there's been a whole bunch of like 
stats added, but they didn't even flesh those things out. Literally, they've just been layering convoluted stat systems on top of each other since the last time we played. And it's just gotten so crazy and complex that they don't even tell the players about it. Hmm. Data miners have to extract it out of the code (laughs) and tell the community, be like, hey, these actually... There actually are hidden stats on all these Pokemons and this, 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 and this way. And you have to do this, this, and this, and that to be able to get these Pokemon, which turns into this super... Uh, dude, I don't even want to get into it too much. I know if there's any Pokemon people listening right now, they know exactly what I'm fucking talking about. <laughs> the point being is, is Pokemon has literally not innovated in any way since the 90s. <laughs> In any significant way since the 90s. It's kind of crazy. It's ironic. Because money they're milking <laughs> out of the players. The original Pokemon really like revolutionized RPGs in a certain sense. They created a subgenre of JRPG that to this day has persisted as basically the number two behind like the standard typical format. Uh, like Shin Megami Tensei, for example, uses a system that Pokemon invented, basically. There was very, uh, it was on the forefront, you know, like they were innovating back in the day. And for you to say that is, I haven't played a Pokemon since I think the very first Game Boy Advance. Was it, was it Ruby? I don't remember. Yeah, Ruby and Sapphire. Yeah, yeah. So that was the last one I played, which was a long time ago as well. Uh, I remember liking it, but I don't remember being blown away by it. It's it's sad that they're just not really pushing the envelope anymore, and they're just uh, riding the coattails, you know? Oh, dude, it's it was mind-boggling how slow the game is, too. <laughs> like, the menus, and so you'll, like, start an encounter, and it's like, you encountered blah, and then, like, two, a frame of your character releasing your Pokemon goes, and then a frame of the wild Pokemon getting introduced goes, and then there's, like, these status effects that happen depending on which Pokemon you have, and they'll be like, this Pokemon, it's these, like, text bubbles. Like, this Pokemon intimidated this Pokemon. And it, it, dude, it's crazy how much time it takes just to start a random encounter. Like, you think of the grind fest, like, in normal RPGs when you have to just level up and do random encounters and all that stuff and just the monotony of doing all that it's times 10 in a pokemon game because just a simple just to run into a pokemon in the wild and run away i think at least takes 30 seconds wow (laughs) it's crazy dude how much time it's just sinks from you yeah, it's the problem is that pokemon's fan base is so hardcore that they just know that it doesn't matter like it's going to sell like gangbusters no matter what they do. So I don't think they're really focusing on yeah, fixing things like that, which it's, you don't think of it as that much, but when you really like think about how long you're going to play a game and how many of those 30 second intervals, you're going to stack up over the course. Like you're, you're talking about losing like fucking 20 hours of your life to nothing. <laughs> Not nothing, man. It's a Pokemon. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, what else, what else you been playing broadcaster? Dude, hunt showdown. God damn it. Mall. Not again. Showdown. Not again. Not again, broadcaster. My soul is in the bayou. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to tell you, (laughs) a game has heart, has character, (laughs) 
more than any game made in the past four years, I'd say. It's the only game I think I have, the only game besides Rocket League that I continually come back to. You know, where I'm yeah. just like, I'm for the past like three years, I've played Hunt Showdown and I've never gotten bored of it. No matter how much I get my ass kicked, <laughs> or how much, how many times I go on a winning spree, it just always brings me back. Hmm. Well, you know what brings me back, broadcaster, to an age of greatness in the PC gaming genre of top down RPGs. Lost Ark, broadcaster. It's the return, or is it? You know, <laughs> thing is about Lost Ark <laughs> is that Jews made it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, cut. <laughs> uh, we're going to have to uh, end this early. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is about Lost Ark <laughs> is that um, I think the hype got to me. I think my own, I broke my own rule, you know, where you get so thirsty that when you get that drink of water, you're just like, this is the best cup of water I've ever had in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I uh, I kind of did that, you know, with Lost Ark. Lost Ark's good. Don't get me wrong. It does some things way better than any of its predecessors have ever done. But at the same time, it's extremely lacking in some departments. Yeah, and maybe that's just because I've got I haven't gotten to Endgame, but I mean, still, even when you get to Endgame, you still have to look at the game in its at in its whole and realize that it doesn't have a lot going on to its open world. You know, they're just kind of monotonous, intermittent area intermission areas where you kind of I guess quest. But I don't even know if you call it questing in this game. It's more like rapid fire mode. Yeah, <laughs> I li- that's one of the things I like about the game. Honestly, uh, you know, I tried Path of Exile about six or seven months ago. I played it for maybe a month and then I quit. I had a lot of problems with Path of Exile. One of the problems I had is how convoluted the co- the questing was in that game, and just like how generic the combat felt. There's there was just a lot about it that I just felt was lackluster, and everyone told me how great Path of Exile was. And uh, Lost Ark, I heard even more hype about. I went into it very skeptical, but I, I, I think it's a good game. I don't really see where all the criticism comes from. Like I've I've heard a lot of criticism from multiple people where they'll like say, "Oh, it's a phone game," you know, "it's low quality" and all this shit, like. It's like, compared to what, man? Like, every game that's come out since Diablo 2 in this genre, I feel like it sucked. Uh, Torchlight, everyone was all about Torchlight back in the day. I thought Torchlight was kind of generic, cartoony garbage. Torchlight 2 felt the same way. Diablo 3, I didn't think was that good. I think that this game is definitely the best since Diablo 2. What do you think, though? Because I never played Hades, and I think you did, right? Yeah, oh, I love Hades. So is Hades better than Lost Ark? To you? (sighs) Hmm. 
It's close, then, at least, if you're thinking about it that hard. <laughs> yeah, I think... Again, I haven't played all of Lost Ark. I right, we're talking all strictly I haven't from unlocked. leveling yeah. perspective, because both of us are ten levels before Max. Nah, Hades is better. Hades is better. I mean, from a leveling perspective and just a sheer gameplay loop, I think Hades is more attractive. Okay. Because here's the... And my tune might change. When I unlock all the moves and I start, you know, messing around with some of the tiers and stuff like that. Because there there are some moves with, like, the Sorceress in Lost Ark, for instance, where I realize that just changing one thing in the tiers on it turns it into a completely different move, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and it made, I was like, oh, okay, so I, once I dabble into that, I might change my tune a little bit, but Hades up front, because I played that a lot and I've beaten it a lot, has a lot of customization and, and um, change to the gameplay just on like, I think it's like one, two, three, four, five, I think it's six or seven really well-built weapons. You know, so you have a character, you have seven weapons that you slowly upgrade and unlock, and then you put these rules on the run you're going to do in the game. Because Hades, if people listening aren't familiar with, is a uh, a roguelite, I think is what they refer to it as. Is that what I think that's what they call them? <sighs> I don't. It's essentially a game that's very short. That's a really it's umbrella. Meant for you, it's, it's meant term. for you to be in it multiple times in a day, essentially. And the whole point of it is, is that the more and more you beat it, the more and more you unlock, and you can make the rounds harder and more challenging, and then therefore more rewarding, and you get thing, you get more things to do. Uh, Lost Ark is not that game at all. It's more traditional, like Diablo, you know, like a top-down RPG. Yeah, but Lost Ark's niche is that it's that it's a Diablo type game, but supposedly an MMO as well, which yeah. we will see when I get to Endgame. But I don't know; it's just hard for me to really say Hades is better than Lost Ark because I think Lost Ark's gameplay is the best thing it has going for it. So I really yeah. don't want to say Hades is better than Lost Ark in that degree because that's literally why I like Lost Ark because it's gameplay. <laughs> it, it's in, I think it's pretty incredible how good the gameplay is. And I mean, I don't think that the game, maybe it didn't deserve as much hype as it got. But I mean, when people detract on it like really hardcore, I'm just kind of puzzled by it a little bit. It's just like. What did you want? This has like amazing Diablo gameplay. It's like, did you need like a fucking George R. R. Martin novel attached to it for you to enjoy it? I like, think I don't... that would have been. I, I don't know if you got to go as big as you know Martin's name, but I think you know no one's looking for a Hidao Kojima <laughs> level storyline in every game. But it you know you can appreciate some level of detail to it. Lost Ark story is garbage. It's it's bad <laughs> it's a parody it's, it's a yeah, parody it's, of it mmos parody. i yeah. think it's the only little string that people can hang on to while playing that game is realizing that it in itself is not taking itself seriously yeah you know? but it's amazing how many sucks. people think that it is taking itself seriously i've had yeah. so many conversations with people that like 
have no idea that the storyline is a parody and they just they're just like they think that like the people yeah uh localizing this doing the voice acting do, writing the english dialogue they think that they're all super serious about it like they think they're making lord of the rings or something it's like bro how many times have you heard them say demons and you think they're taking themselves seriously <laughs> like what the fuck well that yeah i mean you know there's other things about like the rapport system with characters the whole dating sim element like that's super dumb to me and the fact that there's some type of there's clear monetization of that part of the game and i don't know if i'm missing out on big experience gains by doing those quests you know that i have no interest in so that's kind of a thing that bugs me about the game too you know, it's like, I, do I have to do these dating sim quests to <laughs> I doubt uh, it. further myself in the <laughs> game? Or, <laughs> From what I've been told by someone who played the Korean version, the, you don't need to spend any money if you only want to, like, raid on one character and main one character. The, where you should start spending money is if you're, like, trying to raid on multiple characters. I don't know why or how, but that's what I was told. Mm. So we'll see. Uh, we're getting pretty close to max level, and uh, isn't fifty max level? I think forty is. I'm pretty sure. Oh, uh, but we can, uh, you know, we can circle back to this and uh, give it a full review when when we've got to end game and we've seen everything the game has to offer. But uh, in the meantime, broadcaster. The rings of power are calling. Will you answer? No. <laughs> Haven't you ever wondered? CGI sucks. What else is out there? <laughs> Terrible CGI already. I can't. Beyond our wandering. The fuck? Oh, strong woman number one. That's a rat girl. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, here we go. Here's strong woman. I'm guessing that's supposed to be Galadriel. Oh, black elf catching arrows. That looks like Don Lemon's son. Or something. <laughs> is that young Hugo weeping right there? Is that, is that supposed to be? <laughs> I always forget fucking Hugo's character's name. It starts with an E, right? Like heroin or something. Oh. Hmm. Well, looks like garbage to me. I'm not gonna lie. Mm. First of all, I don't know who again, needs to hear this. Maybe I've... the wrong people, but Lord of the Rings is an Anglo-Saxon story, and I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember there being any um, black elves. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, that type of stuff worries me. That's the type of stuff that makes me think they're taking strong liberties in the uh, creative department. A lot of uh, a lot of femme energy in that trailer. Um, of course, very much reminiscent of our last preview the halo the series same energy 
right? Oh, of course. Same, oh. same exact energy. Uh, just sort same of shit uh, everywhere. Just, just a little low T, a lot of um, feminized characters that don't quite match up to what you're expecting. Uh, the only dwarf looked like uh, they made him sparkly, like a Twilight vampire. Uh, I don't, I, I'm not quite sure about that. Uh, like you said, the CG looked low budget. Like uh, it looked worse than the CG in Return of the King from 2002 or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> not impressed. Nothing interesting in that trailer at all. Um, Dude. the what was with the two people walking on the mountain with giant uh, oh, that was just one of those ac- iconic trailers, intro scenes, you know, it was like moose antlers, yeah, that's elves ride on those giant moose, remember? That's what that was. I'm guessing that, those was... were like those were humans or, or some kind uh, hunting the moose, Jesus Christ, uh. Uh, do you think that uh, elf, that very feminine-looking male elf that they show for a second? Do you think you that's Don Lamont Jr.? No, 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 no. The the white one who looked like he might be supposed to be Orlando Bloom's character, a bit younger. Oh, dude, you didn't notice that's that? Legolas, if that's Legolas, I'll fucking it. I don't know for sure, but like, because they only showed him for like one second. <laughs> like they don't like. Oh, there's. We don't want to show too much white male. We'll give you one second in the trailer to show a white male who doesn't Isn't look it like just a. Just tra- crazy how much <laughs> this shit sucks now, dude. There's a Hold one on, second. Let me quota. drink the last of my whiskey here. One second. Hold. Just pause real quick. Hold. Stand by. Isn't it just crazy how much shit sucks now, dude? In. Thane. That how long was that? It was a minute long. Let's be honest. It was like fifty seconds long if we're not counting the Amazon Prime intro. Mm-hmm. So fifty seconds and it pissed me off. It already pissed me off. It already burned me. Uh fifty seconds, and I can tell that they're not being faithful at all to the original material. Um fifty seconds, and um I just feel like the principality of Zeon needs to rise again. (laughs) 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 Oh, shit. Yeah. This is brutal, man. How many times now have we seen, like, resurrections of, like, childhood shit that we would, like, in theory... On paper, you'd just love to see. This is one of those things. A Lord of the Rings TV series, 2022, using the most advanced effects they have. Like, you you think of, like, Mandalorian-level CG and, like, budget, and you're just, like, putting, transposing that onto a Lord of the Rings TV show. And it's just like, oh, the potential, the potential. And then you see that trailer, and it just becomes clear that this is just another woke cash grab. This is just them wokening another beloved property that doesn't need nor deserve it just to check some boxes with some corporate SJW people that think this is the future. We're trendsetters, even though, like, really it's getting passe at this point, the whole, like, woke washing angle. At this point, don't you feel like it's 
fucking to the point where it's not even like I think woke washing was just like one of the I don't know if it's the final iteration or if it's just one of near the final iterations of this latest chapter of creative bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. You know? I swear dude, we're just in this mire of no creativity in every sector of entertainment. And I've said this over and over. And this is this trailer just is another example. <laughs> Who, let's who, let's try Lord of the Rings. Let's, let's yeah, we pay. We have enough money. Let's get a big name like Lord of the Rings, and and we'll just it, it can't fail. Yeah, we've said that how many times? It can't fail. It's it's insert big IP here, you know. But they diversify and colorify and whatever the fuck you want to call it until it is DOA, and mm-hmm. they can't help but do it it's it's just crazy yeah whoever owns the estate of tolkien should be ashamed for letting them make this because if i was him and i was somehow able to like peer through the skies of heaven to take a look at what they're doing to my thing that i created a hundred years ago or whatever uh, I wouldn't be too happy about this. This is like some real backstabbing sort of like ruining something that someone created lovingly. At least that's what it seems like. I, I mean, we've only seen a one minute trailer, but everything in that trailer indicates to me that he would be rolling in his grave. Dude, and I no one wants it. Nobody wants this. It's the craziest part. You know, yeah. I mean, the average SJW doesn't even read uh, fiction. They don't consume entertainment, nerd entertainment, really. Like the average SJW is someone that watches reality television and is glued to their phone on social media, and that's about it. So, like, when they do this, they're not even well, they- doing it for a real reason because. They're only pissing off the actual people that watch this shit, and the people they think that they're making this for won't even watch it. They're never going to. They don't care. Yeah. That, yeah, it is one of the weirdest things about the whole thing is that these pieces of entertainment that are turned into the opposite of what their viewer base is in the name of people that digest the content secondhand via social media. Mm -hmm. You know? It's very weird. And I don't know how it makes money in the end. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. You know, like, we're going to get to book Boba Fett here soon. And it's pretty much a great series. Besides one or two episodes. You wouldn't know that. episodes... Stand out. And you know why they stand out? For this exact reason we just explained. <laughs> it's like this. It's it's the opposite of cancer. Something you can't detect initially. It just slowly eats away and then you wonder, what happened to my beloved whatever? You know? And you can look back and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I didn't see that. It slowly happened. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's the exact opposite of that. It's like throbbing in front of your fucking face <laughs> you're mm-hmm. like what is going on like you got a migraine you're like 
ah, like there's a gas leak in the room. You're like, was wait, wait a minute, why are there colorful bikes? Uh, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> what am I watching? <laughs> it's these weird things that happen in all pieces of entertainment now, like black elves or young beta Orlando Bloom Legolas, you know? And you're just like, wait a minute. Your brain just, you got an alarm bell going off. The gas start leaking in the room. And you're just like, no, wait a minute. This can't be right. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Uh it's a bummer, man. It's just it sucks to see this continue to happen and you just wonder how long it'll happen. I mean, we could be wrong here, we could be overreacting. It's possible this will end up being a good series and just it was a bad trailer that showcased Yeah, when smog comes in and burns the whole thing fucking down. <laughs> yeah, like you you imagine like what if they they did a 1-minute trailer for the Book of Boba Fett where they mainly highlighted the fucking Power Rangers on the Vespas. We would be saying the same thing about Book of Boba Fett, but then you watch the whole thing and it was pretty good for the most part. I guess we can just hope that that's what's going to happen with Lord of the Rings, but that's that's definitely not the vibe I'm getting. I feel like there's no way cuz in that 50 seconds we would have saw something tantalizing, something to tickle our balls, dude. There's no way in that teaser reel there's any hope. The light of Gladriel is diminished. The darkness has taken over these lands. Yeah. Sauron's eye is burning into our heads right now, dude. He is taking us over. Yeah. Yeah. And the funny thing, too, is that if that trailer that we just watched, if you look at the comments, <laughs> did you happen to see the comments? Oh, yeah. I've seen this over and over. This is just... This is how I found out about the trailer when I when we were talking about before we started recording. I was, uh, this is exactly what popped in my head. Because <laughs> Alex was telling me about how all the videos and trailers are just spammed with this one comment <laughs> yeah evil is not capable of creating anything new it can only distort and destroy what has been invented or made by the forces of good which is a quote attributed to tolkien himself i don't know if that's really a quote because like when it comes to quotes you have a lot of like well it's not a direct quote from him it's from the books is it so it's something he wrote for character to say okay. but he wrote it he's the original creator so technically yeah. it is a quote of him and of it, okay well it is a very like very wise quote or it's very wise writing it's a wise line when you really I, think about what it means when you're saying that yeah. it's so I'm pretty, true i'm pretty sure it's and i'm not a huge lore nerd for lord of the rings or anything but i'm pretty sure it's relevant somehow to the creation of orcs mm -hmm. and how they're corrupted elves. Yeah. I think that's how, that's where that comes from somehow. Mm -hmm. <sighs> well, broadcaster, as you know, here in the crack cellar, we like to, uh, is think of ourselves as these are hours ago. Wow. Yeah, it's it's holy like, shit. It's crazy. It's like a thou hundreds of thousands of the same comment. And you really you look at this and it's like, okay, 
this woke washing shit has hit critical mass. People are starting to revolt. You, I've never seen anything like this with any other woke washing of any other properties. Like when, why people are like, don't touch our Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, like, like when Star Wars first started doing it and like all these other big properties, you didn't see this type of reaction. Now you're seeing like just like a very strong, aggressively strong reaction from the fan base. And, uh, it makes you wonder, man. <laughs> what? You know, Lord of the Rings might just be close enough to the core of nerdum, like because fantasy, you know, that type of stuff, it gets kind of close to the core mm. of pure nerdum, you know. So maybe by the time you start interacting with these IPs and trying to do woke shit, there's just real no no real room for it because there's no there's just a huge gap between people that actually watch that stuff and the people that are even willing to even have a conversation about it, AKA, you know, social media clicks and stuff like that. So that might be what's going on here. There's just no one to do defense for them on social media because there's just such a huge divide between the people that watch it and the people that would even remotely give a fuck about it. Yeah, I mean, Amazon also just released uh, a TV series for the Wheel of Time books, which is sort of in the same, uh, I mean, it's definitely not as big as uh, Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit or anything like that. It's still nerd shit. But it is, and they, they basically did to Wheel of Time what we think they're about to do to Lord of the Rings based on this trailer. Uh, it, it was very very woke washed and it also had a distinct tonal difference from the books where they were clearly trying to turn this into like a blood sex and rock and roll lord of the rings type of thing whereas the actual wheel time books were more family friendly more high fantasy more like lord of the rings the the original book lord of the rings so Amazon just seems to be at the forefront. Isn't isn't the Halo series also something vaguely to do with Amazon? Or am I imagining that? Are they like a a production company on it or they're involved somehow with the Halo series? Uh don't know. I might be making that up. But either way, uh it seems like I don't Amazon know or I don't care. I'm yeah. not sure. <laughs> it seems like Amazon is at the forefront of this shit right now. It makes you wonder if maybe they'll be the first ones to like buckle and reverse course because this backlash, um, and it hasn't even come out yet. This pre backlash is astonishing. I don't know how much you can go back though. Well, they definitely, clearly the, the first season in camp. They have a lot of people. Yeah, exactly. The second how season, you- I guess they could maybe you know, bring it back more to a traditional direction of, and like, I'm not, I don't even really care about the black elves don't make sense. They like, it's totally, it's stupid. And it's, it, it's insulting to black people. You know, I'm so sick of this like thing where it's like, Oh, if you say you have a problem with black elves, you're a racist. It's like, no, I fucking love spawn. I love Jax from mortal Kombat. I love, all kinds of black characters and all kinds of entertainment. It is insulting to say, oh, you can't have your own stuff, black people. We just have to copy paste you onto this other stuff because you can't oh, hold your own really IP bad. or your it's, own story. 
it's to say that their stuff's not good enough. Exactly. To put up there. You know, it's like, dude, holy crap. <laughs> we would be having a huge discussion right now. If you turned any black IP or you did any new black IP with a white face <laughs> or any, any other diversity for that matter, do an Indian blade. You know, do do fucking like whatever. Like you people will be revolting, dude. It's just not cool to do. Okay. No, no. And uh seems like the tide might be turning, but we'll see. I've thought that a few times and it hasn't happened yet, but Broadcast Blade would probably be pretty dope, not gonna lie to you. Think about that for a second. (laughs) Well, broadcaster, I want you to Take that energy and bring it into your crackpot prediction of the day. You know, we have we have quite the trailer here to base on this this theory on broadcaster. Uh, tell me what outlandish thought do you have? Where will this go in the most extreme, disturbed, demented way you can think of? How far down the rabbit hole? Will sure. they go? Sure. So I'm thinking instead of like, you know, he was bitten by a vampire and turned into a daywalker, he's an Indian man that went to <laughs> have some lunch in around three o'clock and had some really spicy curry, right? <laughs> and he was on the toilet for like, I don't know, eight hours or something like that. So long that it became nighttime, right? And he had to go home through some pretty shady alleys and, you know, ish. Bangladesh, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Not cultured enough to tell this story fully, but, <laughs> you know, he's he's going down this alley. It's pretty shady, and he uh, gets bit by a normal vampire, but mixing the spicy curry with the normal vampire <laughs> DNA, he becomes a daywalk. Oh, the shit. The Indian daywalk. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you wanted? Uh, <laughs> what were yeah. we talking about? Oh, yeah, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Anyways, 50 seconds really made me want to take a shit like I've been eating curry all day. So uh, I think it's DOA unless they do some heavy reshoots, which they probably will announce and probably do very little of. Um, be probably heavy editing. People will be... Scratching their heads when um, they see Don Lamont Jr. like suck eight elf's dicks. Oh, that's probably that's probably going to be like a three minute full frontal scene in that show. I can already see it happening. <laughs> so you're going the gay porn angle, okay? I mean, it's it's so hot right now. <laughs> well, I mean that definitely that trailer lends itself to to gay porn. I feel you know. Hold on, let me energy let that. me dial it back one second. It's Don Lamont Jr. the second and Orlando Bloom, the young and powerful, make heavy eye contact. Then <laughs> sticks strongly diverse maybe male but definitely masculine else gender not specific but all have dicks again gender not specific then they go on a suck fest okay (laughs) it's gonna be huge on twitter there's my 
There's I my th- crackpot theory. <laughs> I, I think that crackpot theory is literally what made Russell Brand turn right wing. I think that <laughs> you just did it for the world broadcaster. Dude, Russell Brand, dude. <laughs> <laughs> what a what a what a direction that man went in. <laughs> well, broadcaster, uh, my prediction is quite simple. Um, I believe that the orcs and Mordor and Sauron and all that is going to be turned into a analogy for Trump and Trump supporters. I think that orcs are going to sort of be portrayed sort of more intelligent than they used to be. Like before in the movies and in the books, they're kind of portrayed as like, sort of like these savage beasts that are like like human adjacent like just enough to where they can like kind of act like people but more more or less they're beasts walking beasts i think they're going to make them a little bit more human i think that they're going to make them a look a little bit more white i think that they're going to give them a political direction that is going to be akin to trump supporters they're going to like make them like oh uh you know the elves are bringing in globalism and we're fighting for national, like they're going to make it like some sort of nationalist talking point that the orcs are fighting for. And uh, I think they're going to put a giant hairpiece on Sauron and he's going to say things like tremendous. Dude, that'd be a dope ass Sauron, dude. Sauron <laughs> lays down. Like, think about this. He just like lay, like just puts his hand out and just like fucking three powerful, supreme dragons tremendous dragons just lay the ground to waste and then he's just like huge yeah dude that'd be fucking awesome yeah yeah and the dragon will be named marlago dude uh yeah no uh, dude the castle his 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 castle's marlago (laughs) fucking the dragons are more like who is that uh press secretary that hot ass press secretary Oh, Kaylee McKenney or yeah, McElhay or something like that. Yeah. yeah, she's one of the dragons, no doubt. Mm. <laughs> she's had dragon. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't mind spending the night at that roost. Um, Melania's definitely one too. She's like the quiet sleeper. She's like she's the one that like looks like she's retired, but if you fucking piss her off, dude, she's gonna do a huge spirit bomb on everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, broadcaster. Well, I guess we'll see someday soon just how bad it is. But in the meantime, we have something else the to country? talk about. The country? Country's bad, dude. It's bad. <laughs> the Book Punk of Boba Fett <laughs> has come. Cut it. Rewind. <laughs> how dare you disrespect Tamura Morrison and his Singapore Bay brothel or whatever the fuck that, Polynesian that spa <laughs> Mr. Penguin <laughs> Broadcaster are you ready to get to our review of season 3 of the Mandalorian I mean <clears throat> the book of Boba Fett season 1 Broadcaster are you ready I want a Polynesian spa <laughs> <laughs> and we're live with our review of season one of the book of Boba Fett, 
and the uh, clandestine quadroons who created this extravaganza describe it as the following. The legendary bounty hunter Boba Fett navigates the underworld of the galaxy with mercenary Fennec Shand when they return to the sands of Tatooine to stake their claim on the territory formerly ruled by the deceased crime lord Jabba the Hutt. Broadcast synopsis. That was yeah, is one of the better ones I've read. Recently. Out of all the synopsises you've read, <laughs> think about that. That was a good. Like, one. That's probably like top five, right? Top three. Simple. <laughs> usually to these the are point. garbage. <laughs> like these are like usually these are trash. <laughs> I mean, half the time they're like totally nothing to do with the actual product they're describing. To I've been baffled by some of them. Just like it doesn't even describe what I just watched at all. But okay. I'll be honest, I usually just like blank out for a few seconds while you're reading synopsis because it usually just pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> that one I was like, wow, that was actually like to the point. <laughs> yeah. Um All right, broadcaster. So uh we found out about the book of Boba Fett, its existence at the end of season two of The Mandalorian. Uh, you know. Grogu goes with Luke after Luke takes down a lot of people and uh Moff Gideon. Mando steals the dark saber, and uh, that's a wrap, right? Whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> steals the dark saber. <laughs> okay, Won he it. reclaimed his birthright. All right, combat. Okay, <laughs> that's a serious offense in Mandalore. Okay, yes. So, so you're thinking, oh, I'm gonna see like a, a preview, a sort of like teaser of the next season of Mando, but what we instead are given is a teaser for a quote-unquote new show called The Book of Boba Fett. Uh, You know, flash forward to now, we have watched The Book of Boba Fett, a seven-episode described as a miniseries. I I know most TV shows are low-episode count seasons. That's kind of just the standard. But I think anything under 10 puts it in miniseries status. That's my line. I don't know how you think of it, but... Seven episodes. All written by John Favreau, by the way. Every single one. Um, most of them directed by Robert Rodriguez, but a few of them directed by some other randos. Chapter uh, five, episode five, was actually directed by Ron Howard's daughter. Super well, random. Salute to female Ron Howard. Yeah, that's, she, that, that's one of the best episodes of the season, in my opinion, and she directed it. So, I mean, credit where credit's due. Uh, Dave Filoni directed episode six, which probably is the best episode. I don't know, man. That back three, is there a stronger back final three episodes of a season that you can think of in recent memory? Oh, dude. Um, no. Yeah. <laughs> no. I, no. <laughs> you, you know, there was a lot of shit talking about Book of Boba Fett early on. I remember right after episode one came out, I was taking a dump on the toilet and I was reading as I do. And I saw a hot take review saying the Book of Boba Fett doesn't deserve to exist. This should not have ever been created. This is the worst Star Wars thing since blah, blah, blah. Since, oh, I think they, 
I think they said it's the worst Star Wars thing since the Christmas special, which is like, that's like a deep, deep, deep cut of an insult. <laughs> also where Boba Fett debuted, by the way. So I think that was probably why he said that. What do you think yeah. about the beginning? Because I think we both agree that this is a back-loaded TV show. <laughs> like, there's, I don't think you would disagree with that. Let's talk about the front. Have a problem with one episode, and it's you know, I don't think it's it's in particular. It's just one ele- It's a big element of that episode. Don't get me wrong, but there are other parts of the episode that are awesome. Not. I wish they were better, but still they're good nonetheless. Like, go. We'll start with from episode one. Episode one was awesome. Yeah, I liked it. Too. I thought it could have been better. Like the whole him getting out of the Sarlacc. I thought that could have actually been cooler. Like him just like go like somehow moving in its stomach and grabbing the oxygen and breathing it and then lighting it on fire and then cut scene come back and he's just punching his way out of the sand Mm -hmm. wow cool don't get me wrong i'm appreciating what i'm getting here because this is some dope ass shit but it's kind of like well i mean if you guys are going to do it flesh it out a little bit more don't make it so like (laughs) non-believable you know i don't know yeah i agree with you that's my main problem with the first episode is what you just talked about And I don't think that it's necessarily bad. I think the problem is ever since we found out Boba Fett's still alive, every single Star Wars nerd on the planet has been racking their brains as to how it's possible he survived Return of the Jedi. Like, his death in Return of the Jedi was so succinct, so definitive. Like, no one in the world believed he was still alive. And then when we find out he is... I feel like there's just a lot of like mental pressure to be like you have to justify this. There has to be some crazy I mean, shit. Real, real fans have known Boba Fett's been alive. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. The real, real fans, fan, real fans, Mister Penguin. Yes. <laughs> I think for for something like this, that every single fan was just like, "How the fuck did he get out alive? I can't wait to see this." And then they show it in this first episode, and it is just so glossed over. It is like. 30 seconds of the fucking episode and it's just kind of like dope 30 seconds don't get me wrong it is just like reaching over and grabbing that oxygen hose he's just like fuck you if i die you die bitch (laughs) (laughs) i liked what there was what was there i just don't think there was enough of it i think that they could have given that whole part a couple more minutes of screen time uh definitely it could have just i i think the sarlacc just has so much opportunity to be explained a little bit more and they could have used, they could have used that opportunity and Boba Fett coming back and him having to escape out of thing to just make it one overall better scene. Mm-hmm. The fact that they just keep the Sarlacc as this esoteric weird desert creature, you know, that never really gets fully explained uh, unless you want to read like, you know, tomes of lore online or read a book <laughs> none of which are canon so it's yeah but what is canon at this point who fucking was. knows once upon a time it was <laughs> i was there yeah yeah um 
So I think the most controversial part of the Book of Boba Fett is the fact that for the first four episodes, the episodes take place both in current time, as in like time of the Mandalorian, time of old Boba Fett, time of like when the series is actually taking place, and flashbacks with his past when he, from basically the point where he escapes the Sarlacc, all the way up to where he um, joins the Mandalorian later on. Like, they, they they basically go through that whole time period, which is something I wanted to see, and I wasn't unhappy about that. But a lot of people were a broadcaster. Uh, most of the criticism I saw early on on this show were the flashbacks. What did you think about them? I mean, they... <laughs> I don't know. Sounds I like mean, you're. I'm you're so not disappointed with most Star Wars nowadays that when I watch this, it's you know I go back to the whole being thirsty thing. Uh, you know? When you're thirsty, that cup of water tastes real good. Mm-hmm. You know, so who knows? Maybe these, maybe they do have a point. Maybe these connoisseurs out there. I'm just I don't have the taste, the acquired taste to hear what they're talking about. Yeah, but to me, this is way better than the Last Jedi, the Force and or uh, the Force Awakens, or what was that other one? Uh, Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker. The dumbest it's name. Better, it, it's better than all that <laughs> by a landslide. It's better than all that. You know, one episode in well, this yeah, series okay. is better than most of all three of those movies. All right. So that's where I'm coming from. <laughs> I st- I still I still like Rise of Skywalker. I I know that it's a not a con- it's a controversial take. Most people don't like Rise of Skywalker, but I I enjoyed yeah. Rise of Skywalker. That but being said, I agree that- with you that all of the John Favreau Star Wars is is better. I agree. Yeah, with dude. But that being said, I think there is criticism criticism to be had because it's all kind of just. I'll say what I said earlier, but more strongly echoed. It's just kind of lame. You know, the Sarlacc moments lame. The whole being with the Tusken Raiders for so long is kind of lame. You know, Boba Fett, I think people just expect... Boba Fett got put on this pedestal Mm -hmm. of being this silent... He was first, he was this nobody character that got killed off and then through, like, pop, pop culture got propped up on the pedestal and turned into this badass that everyone wanted back kind of thing. And mm-hmm. then they did it. And no matter what you can do, you know, he's not going to be like Goku. He's not going to be Superman. <laughs> you know, he's, he's a human being. He's flawed. You know, he doesn't have superpowers. He's not a Jedi. Uh, you know, he, he, he is a Mandalore or no, he's not even a Mandalorian, you know, like, People no. that read the books and stuff like that, you know, you can't you can't even get that angle on him. Where he's like, you know, why is this Mandalorian so? He's not even a legit, like, actual Mandalorian. There's Django was, Django was, yeah, and uh, Django was not cool. <laughs> Django was a bad father. Yeah, yeah. Listeners, raise your kids. <laughs> mm, yeah. Yeah, I 
I, I really enjoyed the flashback where it shows him uh, as a kid again from the Clone Wars watching uh, Django fly off <laughs> and slave one. And you're yeah, just sitting there thinking, Mace Windu about real. to behead somebody. Yeah. <laughs> That's <too> real. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I liked I liked the flashbacks a little bit. You know, okay, I don't I didn't I won't say I like them as much as I didn't hate them. When I f- watched the first episode, I hadn't heard anything about the show yet. So I went in totally blind. I watched it just total natural reaction, no biases, no like no one in my ear about it. And when I finished the episode, I was like that was good. But how like what is the deal with these flashbacks? Is like is this just a one episode thing? When it became clear that it was like a four episode thing, I'd say in the middle of it, like around episode three, I was kind of like, okay, because was it episode three or episode two where like 80% of the episode was the flashbacks and they almost like showed nothing of the current time, like maybe five minutes of the current time. Was that two or three? That was two, I think. Yeah, that was the episode where I was just like, okay. I don't mind you doing this, but like we we all want to see the now. Like no one is watching this for the backstory at this point. Like, yeah, we wanted to know how he got out of the Sarlacc pit. Yes, but we don't want to. Like, no one really gives a fuck about the no, fucking sand people been... shit. I think yeah, that had to be two because the whole sand people. It was two or three. Ended with two. Mm-hmm. Or was no? Cause no, 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 no. It ended with three. Because three kind of redeemed itself by like, because that the part of the the end of the Tuscan Raiders storyline was at the, at the end of three, I think, like the end of the train, yeah, and them dying or whatever, like him like leaving and going on his conquest and then coming back and seeing him dead or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I didn't hate it. There are some points where I was like, okay, let's get on with it. But I was never like, oh, this is the worst. This is like watching fucking Rose Tico. Like, I never, we never got into Rose Tico territory. (laughs) Damn, dude. (laughs) One thing, one thing, though, that I was a little disappointed with, and this is another one of the popular criticisms of the show, is uh, some of Boba Fett's dialogue felt like, out of place. Now, you already touched on the fact that everyone put Boba Fett on the pedestal. This character that had like two lines in the original trilogy died in the original trilogy. People have like projected so much onto this character at this point that it, there, there was never a chance he'd live up to the That's expectations. Not, well, I'll give the fan base something. It wasn't them originally that did it. There was somebody said Boba lived. That was in a book. That's what bred this whole culture. <laughs> so I just want to put that out there. <laughs> yeah. So so I guess the point is, I do think Boba Fett talked a little too much in the show. I think that he did. I don't think that it was like unforgivable. I don't think they ruined the character. I came out of this show thinking Boba Fett's a badass, just like I thought before I watched the show. Nothing changed. But there are a few parts of the, especially in the early episodes, where he's just talking too much. 
He's kind of gabbing a little bit, where it's like, you, you kind of look at it and be like, well, no, Boba Fett should be a little bit more quiet, and Fennec Shan should be doing a little bit more of the gabbing for him, because she is his lieutenant, right? I, I It just, it kind of brushed the, because, like, they kind of portrayed it more as a partnership rather than Fennec Shan works for him, which felt weird, because at times... It felt like they wanted you to think they were partners, and at other times they made it very clear that Fennec Shand was working for Boba Fett, not his partner. So it's just, I don't know. It, there's some weird tonal shifts in this show that are you kind of just wonder, could this I have been of, cleaned up a little? Yeah, for sure. I And I definitely agree with your point. But you, talk, you actually bring up two things I want to talk about. The relationship between... Boba Fett and Fennec. I kind of like what you just brought up. The fact that like she clearly is like working for him but does not want to be. Like it's obviously setting up some type of rivalry in the future which I think has a lot of potential. Mhm. The other thing is is I think I I'm not quite sure what it is if it's a mixture between Temura is is that how you say his name? Uh, Temura, yeah. Temura, we'll just call let's just call him the Polynesian kid from now on. Yeah, the Polynesian spa god, <laughs> T. Morrison. Is what I'll say. I don't know if it's him trying work into his contract that he doesn't want to wear a helmet too much. He wants to have his face out there because he's trying to build his acting career. Because from what I understand, he hasn't acted too much and or if it's some weird thing because mandalorian so much to do with the mandalorian's character is him not removing his helmet and kind Mm -hmm. of being silent like they don't want to do that to boba fett they want to make more of an older more relaxed boba fett while let mandalorian take over that traditional role they see boba fett because that's kind of like what mandalorian started out as a new modern boba fett that was mocking his style you know the silent tough guy Mm -hmm. you know that won't remove his helmet which wasn't really a spoken thing about the character but it was more unspoken but nonetheless you never saw his face he didn't say much in fact i'm pretty sure there was only one line he said one thing, right? In the like original trilogy? About, yeah, it was like one line. We was talking about rifles, s- certain alien rifles disintegrate good or something like they, that. I well, <laughs> Banta rifles or something like he, that. I think he has... All right, so I think he has one line. So in Empire Strikes Back, when, when Piet is on the executor with all the, bo- all the bounty hunters... Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, he has the, he has the one line there. But I think that he has another line in Return of the Jedi too, right? Really? I think he does. I think he has one line. What is it? Freeze? (laughs) (laughs) I really don't remember. I feel like he does, but I can't remember what the line is, and I could just be imagining it. But I feel like he has another line. But either way, the character had no more than two or three lines in the entire trilogy. And that's being generous. For sure. You got to be doing some digging, too. You got to be digging in your mind pretty deep to be like, yeah, Boba Fett actually had two and a half, three lines. What do you know? Mm -hmm. 
split hairs here. Yeah, and, and my imagination might be creating those extra lines. Maybe he never actually said them, but my brain's like, oh, no, he said these, you know, just like to justify how badass he is. Like, no, you had to have more than one line. Yeah. Maybe he didn't, though. I don't fucking know anymore. But one thing I do know is Pedro Pascal is probably super. <laughs> he is probably super butthurt about Book of Boba because he, I'm I'm sure you heard all of the rumors about him being very upset about his character never taking his mask off because he you know he's a fucking vain actor who wants FaceTime, uh, and like there's like legends about him on set where he'd be doing these scenes and he'd just randomly take his helmet off and start doing it without the helmet even though. The script clearly says you don't take your helmet off ever. It's a part of your character. He would just do it, and he'd piss off the directors and the writers and shit, and they'd have to reshoot scenes. And apparently he threatened to walk off at one point, walk off the set if they didn't let him take his helmet off more or something. Seeing Boba Fett basically be helmetless for 75% of the show, I'll, I just knew every time I saw him without his helmet, like, Pedro Pascal's fuming. There's a vein popping out in his forehead right now as he watches this. Yeah, you know, I'm going to go to the defense, of, and I don't know why. Maybe it's because <laughs> I'm just, I'm you know, a few fingers deep in the whiskey, but I think I'm going to go to the, to the defense of Pedro Pascal real oh. quick. Okay, this is interesting. When Let's I'm really, it. when I'm really thinking about it, if I was in his shoes, right, and I got the role for the Mandalorian, I'm sure they explained to him in some way that he was the Mandalorian. That what I'm trying to say, without going on a rant, is that I'm sure in some way it was pitched by his manager or anybody of significance to Pedro that he was going to actually be physically playing in some capacity the Mandalorian. When in reality, that's not true. He's a voice actor in mm-hmm. this show. And I think they probably did not emphasize that enough to him. And they yeah. didn't emphasize that enough in the contract and stuff like that. And they didn't, in in, in that uh, capacity, not telling him that, he went into the role thinking it was going to be more and signed contracts thinking he was going to it was going to improve his career in certain ways when it's not he's a voice act he was he was voice acting maybe he didn't want that well you know so well, maybe that's why he kind of pushed back in that way i'm just going to i'm just going to give him the benefit of the doubt <laughs> well i'll tell you the rumor is that he in season one of Mandalorian, he actually was the guy in the suit. He wasn't just voice acting. He was the man in the suit. Oh, really? That is what I have heard. Now, what I've also heard is that after season one wrapped, at the very end is when this whole like famous story of him like taking his helmet off and like getting butt hurt about like not showing his face and then threatening to quit the show. From what I have heard... They told him, okay, you can stay on as just a voice actor, and we'll just get some guy to be in the suit. And that's why he stayed, because he didn't actually have to be on set anymore, and he was just a voice actor at that point. Well, the, and in that wor- in that way, good on him. Mm-hmm. You know, because if that was the problem and it was settled in that way, then then fair is fair, right? Yeah, and to be fair, you don't need him to be in the suit if he if he is never going to take the mask off. So it makes sense. Like that should have been the way it was to begin with. But yeah. maybe they were like, "Well, 
we we want like authenticity with his movements matching his voice. I don't know. It, he's a really small guy though. So is it he? actually yeah, he's really short. So it actually makes sense for filming the show to get a a body a different guy to do it who's taller because mm-hmm. it just makes doing scenes easier. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. But that being said, I really that was one of my most hated scenes of all Mandalorian season one and two was when he took the mask him, off. Yeah, when he took his mask off, it was dude. bad. It was it was so lame, and but the, it's been recovered with episode five, which is, in oh, my opinion, man. in my opinion, the best episode by far. Mm, We're kind of skipping far. over. Okay. In my opinion, <laughs> but we're skipping over episode four. But you know, whatever. <laughs> Nonetheless, the story they set up. I'm not gonna. I'm not trying to explain too much of four or five. Him getting punished by the Forge Master for removing <laughs> his helmet. Yep, and sent on a quest to these mines that are supposedly destroyed was some of the coolest shit, in my opinion, I've heard in Star Wars history. Like, I, I, that moment, I was just, I was just I, my fists were clenched. I was like, this is so dope. Yep. This is like going on a quest in a video game. It's just giving me this huge rush of nostalgia right now that it doesn't exist. It, it technically doesn't exist. It never happened, but it's such a cool feeling I got from that scene. Yeah, uh, the armor, the armor is just such a cool character. Is that her name, the armor? Yeah, that's what they call her. She's she. I don't know if this is from like some established lore from the extended universe or some shit. But whoever came up with this armor character, I they should write way more stuff. Like great character, yeah. great archetype, great plot revolving around her. If you think about every scene that the armorer's been in, she has stolen it. Dude, absolutely. Dude, when he takes the spear off his back and she's just like, the very existence of this weapon yes. <laughs> like in, is a... Um, a threat to the Mandalore threat. or whatever. Yeah, and he's like, then we melt it. Yep. <laughs> he's like, this, is, this is the way. <laughs> it was so dope. Great dude. writing, great dialogue. Yeah. Uh, I'll, and the I'll, whole the whole speech for the foundling too. He's like, we melt it for a foundling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it ends up being Grogu. Yeah, and he's just like he, the whole thing about their ideologies standing against each other. That was just great. That mm-hmm. was so well done. Yeah, it it, it was. The, a lot of people like made fun of Episode Five, uh, and it was mostly people that were really anti book of Boba Fett before episode five that were like calling it the worst thing ever, just calling it trash, blah, blah, blah. Dude, what? When, when, when episode five came out, those people pivoted to say, Oh, episode five is good, but it's not book of Boba Fett. It's the it Mandalorian. It is. It, that, well, no, it is correct. <laughs> But <laughs> it's even called the return of the Mandalorian. <laughs> the the point the point is is that these people that were so against the show 
didn't want to give the show credit when it started to bounce back and they just came at, came up with like an excuse to be like, oh no, it doesn't count because Boba Fett wasn't in it. And it's like, right. But you understand that John Favreau wrote this entire show and he wrote all of Mandalorian. This is all his cinematic universe. Like when you look at yeah. the book of Boba Fett and the Mandalorian, this is now its own Star Wars universe that's unified. And when you get to chapter five and you go to chapter six and you go to chapter seven, the final three episodes of Book of Boba Fett, it becomes crystal fucking clear that there is no difference between Book of Boba Fett and Mandalorian. It is basically a shadow season three of the Mandalorian that just happens to focus on Boba and Fennec early on. I think it's just a side story of the whole Mandalorian series or universe that John Favreau is building. I think he's just running with a section of star Wars lore that no one's really expanded upon, which is the Mandalore and season one and two was the Mandalorian. And now we're just getting a kind of a side story of the book of Boba Fett. Now that he has control of that IP, he can give fans what they want they he can evolve the character of boba fett and that's exactly what he did season three is still coming for the mandalorian no doubt there's no doubt about it and i think in hindsight we're going to look back at boba the book of boba fett is just that a side story a side season you know where they kind of were setting maybe future stuff up that we have no idea about yeah uh i i Dude, I don't know. I can't man. believe people like were upset about five at all. Dude, the No, they weren't. They weren't upset the about it. They were making oh. fun of they were making fun of it. They're like, oh, you finally have a good episode and there's no Boba Fett in it. Like it, it was that type of Fuck shit. Them, dude. It's just like super petty bullshit that's all coming from Are they a, really mad about the guy that plays Boba Fett? Is that what this is about? I I don't I don't know exactly what it's about, dude, but like some of the response that I saw to the early episodes where granted the first half of the show is not even close to as good as the second half. We can both agree on that. Oh, dude, but, the last three episodes are <laughs> extremely better than the other. Legendary. Four, I, I would go I as mean, far no to no, say no one's that gonna argue that. <laughs> the final three episodes of Book of Boba Fett are legendary, a legendary stretch of television history. There is uh, yeah. very little out there that can claim a three-episode arc it is that's crazy. this good. It's crazy how many different sections of the fan base they brought together in those three episodes. Oh, I know. They got Mandalorian fans. They got old school fans. They got Clone Wars fans, Rebel fans. They they got everybody in those three episodes. (laughs) Yeah, and and speaking of voice acting, uh, our boy Luke is back. And I, I I really want to know what they are doing to make Luke sound like his younger self, because I know, I'm sure you noticed this. Deep fake. He sounds exactly like he sounded in the 70s and in the 80s when they originally filmed the first trilogy. His voice sounds like his old voice. And as you know, Mark Hamill doesn't sound like that anymore. But it is Mark Hamill doing the voice acting. 
So they're yeah. they are doing some magic tricks to make him sound like him his younger self again, and I'm very curious how they are doing it. I think it's probably some type of machine learning, uh, deep fake technology, where they just probably have some type of AI machine learning program playing the first original three trilogy movies over and over and over, replicating mm. his voice. Maybe. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't like, know. Maybe nothing crazy like that, but something along those lines. Yeah, I don't know. But like w- when they brought him back for the final episode of Mando season two, he didn't talk very much. So it's like, OK, it's pretty easy when it's just such a limited scope to do something like this. But when they yeah. brought him back, was it episode six? six. Yeah, episode yeah. Six, six where he huge. dude, episode six Jedi in your pants. Jedi Master (laughs) Luke Skywalker is the main character of the fucking episode. He's in it like 90%. It's basically him training Grogu. Can we just like hold on a second? I don't I'm sorry to interrupt you, but episode five starts with a butcher shop scene. Mandalorian just chops so good. So good. Episode six just starts with a peaceful garden scene with Luke Skywalker (laughs) and Grogu and Ahsoka. Happy friends time. (laughs) Quite the contrast. Anyways, go on. Yeah. For, For them to be able to produce his voice in this way for an entire episode of him. He had probably like 30 lines in this episode. Like he talked a lot and it was perfect. It sounded like I was literally listening to Mark Hamill from the early eighties. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what gives me credence to my theory that it maybe there's something that they've been constantly building on to refine this voice acting like a program or something like that. Mhm. That just requires time, you know. Yeah. Cuz deep fakes it like it's here, you know. It's definitely here. Is it? It's an <laughs> seemed to have been scrubbed from the it, world. It, yeah, it seemed to disappear, didn't it? <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. 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 It's too powerful. That porno. I mean, uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the technology was too strong for humanity. <laughs> uh, oh man. Uh well, we'll get back to the final three. I want to go back to episode two real quick. Uh I think we've talked enough about the flashbacks. Uh, okay, cool. Maybe went on a little too long, whatever. Episode two, though, in the current times. One of the few things it showed in the current times in episode two was the, were they the cut? Yeah. The cousins of Jabba the Hutt, like they call them the twins. Oh, I'm glad you brought these guys. What did you think about them? Because you, okay. So you're down. You liked them. Absolutely. Hell yeah. So did I, but a lot of people talk shit about them. Say like, Oh, the cheap CG. Oh, are they not lore? Oh, why are the huts there? They're just there for member berries. Like, there's all kinds of shit talking about the huts. I thought they were awesome. I loved the way they interacted with each other. I don't know if you noticed that or not, but they like had this weird like, like they would like touch each other in weird ways, and like she would like kind of oh, yeah. sit on him a little bit or uh, incest. Yeah, it was yeah. it was a little like I, Jamie. I'm more is kind of crazy, actually. It was a little Cersei Jamie Lannister ish energy there, wasn't there? <laughs> Absolutely. It, I 
the only thing I can say about <clears throat> about Hut, the two twin Huts, is at the end of their side storyline or whatever. Even though it had Danny Trejo, which was dope, mm-hmm. just kind of petered out, fizzled out all of a sudden. That kind of I thought there was going to be a double betrayal there for a second. You yeah, know? me too. And then it was just like, nope, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in that way, I can kind of see why people were just like, oh, okay, they were just there to be like, oh, you know, the huts came in to be like, Marshawn, this is my territory kind of thing. That's super shallow and lame. But I don't know. I thought yeah. this uh, initial scene of them coming in in their little exchange with each other was super cool and tense. Yeah, I, I liked think, it. I think two episode two is the best episode of the first four episodes without a doubt. I kind of agree with you. Uh, not only because of the huts, but also because of black Chewy. I loved, I don't know what you think about black Chewy, but I, I fucking sure. love black Chewy, man. He's a gangster. Yeah. And also a great character building arc. Mm-hmm. I was very pleased with black Chewy. Like he, like he did not disappoint me in any way. Every episode he was in, he evolved, and in the end, he got offered a job mm-hmm. that will play out in the future, maybe in Mandalorian season three. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, structurally, the writing in this show is like S tier. Like they, the Absolutely. way that they structure everything, it all has a purpose. It all fits together. Like a lot of puzzles don't fit together because of bad writing. This puzzle fits together perfectly. And even the part where you're talking about, oh, you know, the twins, you thought there was going to be this stuff with them, and then they just kind of bounce. That was also, like, a part of this puzzle because, like, oh, what would make two ruthless huts who literally were about to shit on Boba Fett and, like, they had... Like, you could tell they weren't worried about him at all. But then all of a sudden, they just show up and they're just like, yeah, we're leaving. You should probably leave, too. But whatever. We don't give a fuck about you. But yep. uh, here, here's a rancor. Like, that that was great because not only does it show, like, the base attribute of the huts where they view everything as a transaction. So, like, to them, they're like, we threatened Boba Fett. We threatened his throne. We threatened his planet. We're going to leave. We're not going to start a war with him, but we still have to make it right. So we're going to give him a fucking rancor because that's what huts do. They're transactional. They're like uh, Ferengi from uh, Star Trek, but a little fatter and a little grosser. (laughs) I like that. And I like the fact that when he offers Black Chewy back to them, like, oh, you know, thanks for the rancor. You can have your assassin back. And they're like, yeah, we're done with him. That was also another like pure hut move. That's exactly what a hut would That's do. Your hut energy, dude. <laughs> totally, man. Like I loved the huts. I loved the way they were written, and the the way that they bounce like that really foreshadows and adds like a sinister undertone to the Pike. Uh, are they a syndicate or a clan? The people that end up being the main enemy, the ones that run the spice trade on the planet. They the huts are so worried about them that they just are literally bouncing the fuck out. And that whole exchange is really a hundred percent what gives you all of your 
um, dread for the pikes. Like, otherwise, you'd just be like, oh, the pikes? Like, some jobbers down the street? Boa Fett will shoot a rocket at their face, and it'll be all over. But because of the way the huts react to the pikes, all of a sudden you're like, oh, fuck. What's going on with these pikes? (laughs) Can we also talk about, like, when... when uh, Boba gets like knocked around a little bit, and he like gets, he gets in there. And he's dazed, and he's pointing his rocket fist towards that guy escaping, and he just totally tries to blow him away. And then <laughs> Fennec tries to starts to go after him, and he's like, "Fennec, alive!" <laughs> like, whoa, wait a minute, Boba, you just trying to blow that? Dude away? <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I found that really odd. I was like, "Am I miss? Is something going over my head here, or was that just weird?" Well, I think I think all of the clones all think that they're gods, and they think that they can like their aim is so good that they can shoot a rock at someone's head and not kill them because they're that good of an aim. But Fennec isn't a clone, so he's like, "Listen, bitch, better not kill that guy." I don't know, uh, but I, I do agree with you. I thought episode two was one of the better early episodes. Now let's get let's rip the bandaid off here with episode three. Now, right out the gate, I think you're going to agree with me. That's the worst episode of the seven, right? Uh, yes, yes. So, okay. Uh, basically, this episode is. First of all, we get the guy from the from Office Space, um, the guy with the red stapler from Office Space. He is like this businessman on this planet who comes to Boba Fett and starts complaining about like these kids. How do I reach these kids? They're stealing all my water. And uh, you know, Boba Fett goes to take care of him, quote unquote, and he finds like a bunch of like woke hipster millennials chilling he threatens them and they like you know they do we're strong we'll take you out because we have to because we have nothing left we have nothing going for us we have no jobs they took our jobs and boba fett's like then i'll give you a job that was the cool part of the episode everything else was bad (laughs) The, the part where it shows them get on the vespa bikes and drive down the street in unison i think it's one of the cringiest moments in star wars history i think it rivals anything that disney's ever done in terms of badness i don't know why it made it into the show it it wasn't even necessary they were just props like they served really no purpose they could have just given them regular speeders and it would have been fine diversity tax credits but they're real children. But what do you? <laughs> so so these and they're cyborgs, right? They're supposed to be cyborgs, but they're like the lamest cyborgs I've ever seen in my life. Th- these are not RoboCops, okay? Like these are not your daddy's cyborgs. What did you think about the Vespas broadcaster? Um. I mean, there's this part of my brain when it sees this shit immediately tunes out. Like there's identifiers like or distinct colors in tandem or certain ethnicities or the lack thereof a certain ethnicity 
in certain scenes. It, I don't know. It's just this feeling, like this gut feeling. And it makes me want to throw up a little bit. And that's what I got when I got the race scene through the streets of Mos Espa. Okay? Mm-hmm. That was so lame. And I feel like at the end, when they show up to um, what uh, Black Chewie's like hanging on by like a couple fingers through the Rancor slip uh, trap. And the guy's like about to shoot, but he's so fucking incompetent because he's like, man, there's so many LGBTQ things going on in my head. I don't know if I'm allowed to shoot Black Chewy, you know, like he's black. Is that what? Wait a minute. Was regular Chewy black? He was brown. Wait a minute. Is black and brown. <laughs> and so Fennec was like, I'm tired of this shit and just put a throwing knife right in his hand. I think that was symbolic of the whole episode and how I felt about it. <laughs> if I was like, let's get this shit over with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The episode's called The Streets of Moss Espa. And I mean, that is really what the episode was. It was a bunch of street urchins that were like portrayed. Like you look at the portrayal of them and it's like they're clearly trying to make them like occupy Wall Street protesters. Like that's basically what they're supposed to be. You, you can't charge us for this water. We're going to steal it. You know, like, it's just, like, that sort of energy. Like, I, I if Tim Pool was one Communist. of the cyborgs, I wouldn't have been surprised. I would have been like, that fits. That makes sense. Grats, Tim Pool, on your casting. But wow, that's not what we got. We got... Shots fired. We got, like, a bunch of hipsters. You know, the girl leader, I actually liked her a little bit. She's hot, and she gives me good vibes. She isn't, like, a super cringy character. The other ones are the ones where I'm just like... Uh, and then also <laughs> the bikes. Like if you just killed the bikes, these characters wouldn't have been as bad. Really, yep. almost yep. all of the negative energy comes from that scene where they're driving down the street in unison, like the Power Rangers on their fucking neon Vespa <laughs> speeders. It's just like, dude, that should have been cut. I don't know if Favreau owed a favor to someone. If Black Chewie killed one of them, I would have forgave it. That would have been awesome. That would have saved the episode. <laughs> but uh, Black Chewie tries to kill Boba Fett, and uh, the cyborgs come out like hidden ninjas and attack him. I'm just, that was kind of weird, too. It was just like, really? Like, the where was the defense at the gate? Like, how did he get all the way to the back to tank? And then, like, your last line of defense are the fucking Occupy Wall Street kids. Okay, I mean... I don't know that whole that was like my least favorite part of this entire series. And I remember after finishing that episode, I was like, maybe those maybe that guy who was complaining about episode one being like the worst Star Wars ever. Maybe he was right. That's where I was starting to question myself. But it got better, broadcaster. It did. (sighs) Let's move on from episode two. Yeah. Um episode 4 kind of wasn't that great either. This was the episode where um he hires Black Chewie because Black Chewie's like getting pissed. He's getting in bar fights and shit. 
uh, that was probably the best part of the episode, by the way, was that bar fight with Black Chewy. Oh, no, Daddy rips that dude's <laughs> arm off. What's that hot ass? Aquilik is just like, uh, dude, just let him down and I'll hook you up. Yeah. And he's like, nah, bitch. Fucking <laughs> just rips his arm off and I'm out of here. Yeah. And episode four had the, the last of the backstory. Um, and it's, it shows where Boba Fett meets Fennec Shand and how he saves Fennec Shand's life by turning her into a cyborg. I like that. I think that was the best part of the backstory. I don't know about you, but I didn't like the fact that when he took him to the mod parlor, it were the fucking, it was the Occupy Wall Street kids in the mod parlor in the past. So essentially Boba Fett already knew all these Occupy Wall Street kids. He knew them. They're the ones who helped him save Fennec Shan's life. Yeah. So, so the way he reacts to them in the present, in the previous episode, feels a little Doesn't weird in retrospect. Sense. Yeah, you're just kind of like, well, wait a second. If he like was friends with them and knew them, like why? What? Because when he this first could be a lacking of Temra's acting ability, or it might be a lack of the writing ability. Of yeah, the true. Yes. Yeah, uh, but anyway, yeah, the, the this was the best part of Backstory by far. Um, after he saves Fennec Shand, they go and they fucking go back to the Sarlacc pit to, like, recover his armor. And, like, there's just a lot of cool scenes in this flashback compared to the, the previous flashback. So credit where credit's due. I think this is where the flashbacks worked the best. And, uh, yeah, that's really all there was to this episode. Like, this episode was really backstory heavy and what was not backstory was basically the stuff with black chewy and uh yeah also uh this is when he meets with all the other warlords of tattooing where he's like you don't have to help me i just need you to like not backstab me or whatever right isn't that what happens at the end of episode four yeah yeah, yeah it was pretty much when he asserts his domin- dominance or what do they call it mm-hmm Assert himself as Domini, Domini. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, so that's the first half. Um, if it ended there, it, I would have called it a mediocre um, run for sure. But then we get to episode five where we just jump right to the Mandalorian and it, it sort of becomes Mandalorian shadow season three. We we already talked about how it opens up in the butcher shop with the dark saber massacre, which was one of the best scenes in the entire book of Boba Fett. Uh, then we have the armor shit, which was fucking awesome. The duel with the other Mandalorian, who's like, "Fuck you, I get the, the dark saber." On the space bridge, dude. Yeah, man, that was that was so dope. That he wasn't, she wasn't trying to take the dark sabers. I mean, she kind of was, but. I thought it was kind of cool. She was just trying to get it. Like in the end, it was just kind of this ploy to get him to admit that he removed his helmet and broke the code, you mm. know? Right. Well, the, the guy who challenges him, Visla, he was the, I think that he said he was like a fucking descendant of the person who created the dark saber. And so that, that was like why he's like, Oh, I deserve it. I'm challenging you. Uh, yeah. Felt a little weird, like, oh, there's, like, almost no Mandalorians left, but you just happen to be a descendant of the one who created the Dark... That felt a little weird, but... 
Well, it was also so Mandalore too. It was like all these fuckers fight over the dark saber. Like that's just how it is. So there's mm-hmm. like only three of them, and they still fight over it. <laughs> yeah, but it it was really cool just to see the Mandalorian like back to doing what he does, like just taking jobs and on random space stations and planets, like taking out the trash, earning credits yeah. so he can go do shit, meet up yeah. with the armor, make some armor for Grogu. Like the bounty, the bounty for fucking the butcher shop, dude was so cool. Dude, him dragging yep. that dark saber on the ground and just cleaving people. In oh yeah. That was dope as book. Yeah. And then my, I, the cherry on top. So at the end of this episode, he goes back to Tatooine to talk to the chick from Strangers with Candy, uh, who shaved her eyebrows off, talks to her about, you know, fixing uh, the Razor Crest. And this was another great... This whole episode was perfect. There were no bad scenes in it. This was another great scene where she is just like, well, yeah, yeah I do have something to show you. And uh, she brings him back into this room where she has... No part. <laughs> she has... A fucking Naboo space fighter from episode one in shambles, but it's a fucking Naboo starfighter. And I'm just sitting here like, are you kidding me? The Mandalorian is now going to be flying around in a fucking Naboo starfighter. That is so <laughs> sick. And not only that, it's like the sickest custom version of a Naboo starfighter ever. Like when they finally finish it and they show him doing a test drive and everything. I was like, I you you've got to be kidding me! Like, it kind of <laughs> reminded me of the Chrome, the custom Chrome uh, ship that the Queen had, Queen Amidala had mm-hmm. in Episode One. Hell yeah, yeah, that was awesome. Uh, the episode ends with uh, Fennec Shan showing up to ask for uh, Mando to join the war with Boba Fett, and. Uh, he says, yeah, but I got some shit I got to do first. That's the end of the episode. And then we get to episode six. people to cut up with the dark saber. I'll be right back, dude. <laughs> so, yeah. So then we get to episode six. Uh, and it is all Jedi Master Luke with Grogu and Ahsoka Tano on this planet that he is creating his new Jedi Academy on. Just awesomeness all around. Everything about this episode was awesome, too. The the flat even the flashbacks like when when Luke's trying to help Grogu remember his past and Grogu re- literally remembers Order sixty six happening and you see this flashback of these Jedi fighting these clones with Grogu. Did you not just get goosebumps watching that? Dude, <laughs> it is so good, man. Like the writing. The writing in this show is just stellar. And oh, by the way, it's all written by John Favreau. Who the where did where did the the fucking the guy from Swingers? How did he become the savior of writing in modern science fiction, dude? How did this happen with John Favreau? <laughs> he just he has the perfect combination of knowing people, having the talent, and also giving a fuck about the content. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, I, I mean, there's a lot of training. Uh, Mando shows up, sees Ahsoka, and Ahsoka basically tries to talk him out of meeting with Grogu. And Mando, at the very end, like, he sees Luke and Ma- Grogu in the distance, and he realizes 
you know, she's right. He It needs to be his choice if he does this. I don't want to, you know, taint it. So he gives Ahsoka the tiny chain mail that he created from that rod. Um, and he just leaves. And Grogu sees his ship leaving in the distance and realizes that Mando was there, but he left. And then at the very end of the episode, Luke offers him a choice. He says, if you want to be my first student and become a Jedi, you'll take this lightsaber. Which, by the way, I don't know if you realize this or not. This was literally the exact lightsaber Yoda had in the prequels. Oh, shit. Like when, yeah, like when you saw uh, um, Yoda fight Dooku. Um, who else did Yoda fight? Did he fight Grievous, too? I forget all who. Yeah. That little tiny lightsaber he used in episode two is the lightsaber that he's handing Grogu right now or offering Grogu. And then on the other hand, the chainmail that Mando brought. And he said, if you take the chainmail, you're going to leave. You're going to go back with Mando and you will not be my student and we'll never see each other again. And that's how the episode ends. What an amazing way to end an episode. A perfect episode already, and then you end it with like this legitimate cliffhanger where because you don't know Grogu, he's a new character, you don't really know what what he's gonna decide. Like there's no way for you to interpret uh extrapolate it because he's brand new. And I was thinking about that leading up all the way to episode seven. Like, fuck, is he is he gonna like is he going to stay with Luke and just become this like secret, like shadow Jedi in the background that's going to come out later? Or is he going to go back with Mando and, and season three of the Mando is going to be just like season two and one with Grogu. Cause remember how we were all talking like, Oh, Grogu's gone now. So like season three is going to be the first season of Mando without Grogu. Nope. <laughs> He's back. <laughs> So his whole his whole exit from the show is literally resolved in Book of Boba Fett. So he's just going to be immediately back for season three now. Maybe. I mean, you make a strong point, but I think that's kind of why Boba Fett's being introduced and Fennec's being introduced and like this whole side story and them all working together is being introduced is to kind of fill in that gap. And honestly, episode five kind of proved that when the butcher shop uh bounty happened i was like yeah who the fuck needs grogu <laughs> <laughs> well but they as we find that. out in episode seven yeah. he did need grogu <laughs> <laughs> okay so so a lot of people made fun of episode six for the same not the same reason as episode five a different reason uh a lot of the detractors i i don't know if you've heard anything about this or not Basically use the member berries defense on this episode. Like, oh, it's not a good episode. You're, it's just member berries. You know, like, is that type of shit. What do you think about that? Because I... Because paid Bane and shit? No. Because of Luke. I guess. And R2-D2? I don't know. I, I mean... It's not my argument. It's just an argument I heard very popular on, you know, probably like the circles that like love to detract on Star Wars. Are you are you talking about Mandalorian inside the uh, Naboo space fighter with Grogu? Like the maybe that, too. Um, Yeah. All I know is that 
I loved episode six so much. And then the next day I was looking at some review or not a review, just like some people talking about it. And it was just, it was just vitriol. Like that episode sucked. It was just member berries. All the people that like it are stupid, like all that type of shit. And I'm just like, man, is that where we're at now? Like we can't actually have something that's good because if it's bad, you're going to say it's woke garbage. And if it's good, you're going to say it's member berries. So then what it like, what's left? Crazy, dude. Like it's, like, that's what it's oh, becoming. <laughs> Like what? Like what can we have? We can't have anything now. I just, like, realized, I just realized Matt Barry from like I don't know. He's just an all. He's a juggernaut comedian from uh, the UK. Is he British? I don't know. But he's over there. He's across the pond. The guy played eight D two or eight D eight. The robot that was in all the episodes, like the servant robot. I didn't even realize that. The whole dude, the whole series is filled with solid actors, solid writing. It has maybe one episode that is, you know, arguably so bad that it, I shouldn't even say so bad, but bad enough that it brings the series down as a whole. It, I mean, it gives you everything, dude. You get Luke, you get Ahsoka, you get Grogu, you get Mando, you get Boba Fett back, which maybe Boba Fett's return wasn't as as much as people wanted. But nonetheless, dude, Fennec comes back, which Ming-Na Wen, dude. God, she is aging like a goddess. I don't know. What, yeah. What is with all be, these women that are just like in their also, 60s that look like they're 30 still? She's also based as fuck. Yes, she and is. And she's acting, which is, you know, you know, salute to John Favreau. <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah. know why these people are mad. The only I know. people are mad about this series are losers. Okay? I think so. I agree with you. Like the the response to the book of Boba Fett told me a lot about how far the fan base has become divided. Because it, it rightfully it's is divided. Sickness, you know? It People should be divided, but the sides have gotten so far apart, and this kind of mimics real life politics a little bit, where like both sides now are so far apart that like civil war feels pretty much inevitable. That's how I feel about the fandom of Star Wars at this point, because like it, at this point, you're either all on board with everything Star Wars, period, or you hate everything Star Wars, period, and there's no in between anymore. And if you act, if you say that you're in between, both sides will say you're on the other side. So like, if I if I fucking critique Last Jedi and say Last Jedi was a garbage movie and one third of it should have just been cut from completely from the movie, I'm gonna be called like an alt right, oh whatever. But then if I say, uh, I actually liked um, Episode Six of the Mandalorian because I love the the Luke shit all the people on the right wing of it are going to say oh you're just a fucking chud SJW who loves member berries you know what I mean like it doesn't like there's no room for any middle ground now in this fandom I feel like it's you, you have to be one or the other and if you're not on either side both sides think you're on the opposite side and you're in no man's land yeah I think it's a I'm going to shout out to a great podcast here real quick. Um, Dad Meat. 
Dad Meat Podcast. These guys said something yesterday when I was at work listening to them, and uh, it was profound, even for a couple bozos on the east side. (laughs) (laughs) These guys were like, right now, there's a war on joy. Yes. And what we're trying to do here at this podcast is give you joy. We're trying to give you joy so you go spread joy in any capacity possible. Don't let fucking people tell you shit's not funny. Don't let people tell you that you can't say gay or faggot or whatever you want. You know, like, screw them. Fuck them. You know, like, I love their attitude. You know, if you don't want to say that shit, who cares? Yeah. But the attitude, the, the point remains. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, it definitely does seem like there is a war on joy and you're not allowed to, like, like anything anymore. It's just, I don't know. I'm as critical about shit as anyone like i'm not someone who just if if i like something i think everything of that thing is the greatest thing like i'm not one of those people i critique everything even if i love it uh just look at my fucking review of Candyman from last year Candyman's literally my favorite fucking horror movie and i destroyed that movie like it was a redheaded stepchild no offense broadcaster Uh, (laughs) why are you outing me dude now people are gonna be able to identify me oh shit i just doxed you fuck you just Uh, narrowed it down even more you melted you you melted the iceberg caps dude before we get to the final episode i just want to say one more thing about episode six it ends with uh, Mando going to talk to uh, Justified, you know, uh, Timothy Olfont, who had Boba Fett's armor in Mando originally, and he, he was in that awesome episode from... So, That's fucked up. So, so boy, I forgot to bring that up. That so, was, they did my it was. boy wrong, dude. They did my boy wrong. So Mando shows up to enlist him, and he, he basically gets him to agree, and then he leaves, and then Cad Bane shows up, and the way he approaches in the distance was... Dude, the way that they did this was so awesome. In an already perfect episode, just like episode five, they cap it in episode six with him just coming through the fog of dust, approaching the like town. A like a spaghetti western. Yeah, it, exactly. And Timothy Olfont comes out and he like puts his hands on his, his holster, you know, the whole fucking wild, wild west fucking meet you at noon type shit. And it was so awesome. The entire conversation, the portrayal of Cad Bane was so good. I think that will be one of like the the unsung amazing parts of this Book of Boba Fett series is Cad Bane's portrayal in these final episodes of the show. I'm not even a huge Cad Bane fan. Like I watched the Clone Wars animated series. I know who Cad Bane is. I like him. His portrayal in this show overshadows all of his previous appearances in Star Wars. His portrayal in this was so fucking amazing. I don't know who played him, but they were perfect. Ori Burton played his voice. The dude's perfect. That was amazing. Every time Cad Bane was on screen, I'm just like, this is it. This is this is what it's all about. And Oh, the, absolutely. And the shootout between the two where they do like the fucking who shoots first and Cad Bane gets him and then he says, as long as you don't, as long as the spice flows, you'll be alive. And then he just turns around and walks into the dust storm again. Holy shit, broadcaster. We don't deserve this. Like that is just so good. 
Yeah, I wasn't even that big a fan. Like, I, I still to this day haven't watched all of, uh, what is it, Rebels? Is that the no, one Rebels after? sucks. Clone yeah. Wars is what's good. Clone, Clone Wars, Wars yeah. was made by George Lucas and Dave Filoni. Yeah. Who is the right-hand man of Jon Favreau, which is one of the reasons why. And he, also the creator of Bad Batch is Dave Filoni as well. So uh, okay. So that makes sense. Yeah. So the, the Clone Wars animated series, it is good. You should watch it. I know are the first two seasons. Season two? We are. It's already it's coming out in a couple months. It's already oh, done. For real? Yeah, it's coming. Oh dope. Yeah. Um I would tell you I would make that your project, like your project show. You should watch all of Clone Wars. It is so good. The first two seasons are a little rough. But it gets really good past season three. And the final season of Clone Wars is one of the greatest seasons of anything ever. It is really fucking good. You, as a Star Wars fan, you owe it to yourself to to muscle through it. Damn. I, I would put it on your list of projects. And I would put it at the top. But Would you yeah. put it on the price of a Polynesian spa? <laughs> Same energy, same energy. Uh, all right, so so let's talk chapter seven in the name of honor, written by John Favreau, of course, like every other episode, directed by Robert Rodriguez, one of the OGs of Star Wars Pike. lore. Don't forget the Pike Boss voice by Phil Lamar. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, go on. This, this episode is i think it's my favorite episode i know you you said five was your favorite right uh yeah i don't disparage you for saying that i think five six and seven you could name any of those three and i'd have respect for you i have no problems with anyone naming any of those because all three are so good but chapter seven had a little extra in my opinion first of all Grogu showing up with R2-D2 was fucking awesome. <laughs> I loved I loved the fact that you see R2-D2 in this fucking uh, X-Wing and you're like, oh, fuck, Luke's here, but there's no one in the cockpit. And then yeah, she has to look yeah. over and you just see him like sitting in the bottom of the bucket like, hey, what's up, bitch? <laughs> I fucking love that. Kind of remind me of young Anakin energy. Fucking uh-huh. in the Naboo fighter. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? For sure. For sure. I do know what you're saying. And uh, I love the standoff with Cad Bane. Again, Cad Bane is so good in this. He shows up with like the Pikes uh, assassins, uh, I guess, like some of them, you know, and they have like this little standoff. And it's, you know, he's like, you know, all you got to do is let the Pikes run their spice trade and you can have your little fun game here on this planet and play Boba Fett. In, in his fucking Cad Bane voice, which I fucking love his voice. And, you know, Boba Fett, of course, is like, fuck you, go to hell. And uh, you think that they're about to, like, do the duel there, but then they, they end up not doing it because, what was it, Fennec? Was it Fennec Shand who, like, walked up to him and said, no, this isn't the right time, you're better than this, like, you're smarter than this? I think it was yeah. Fennec, right? Yeah. And and so so there's, like, a little reprieve, but war is coming. And you get to this, basically, you just go into this all-out war where all of Boba Fett's generals and lieutenants are all spread out. They all have their own little jobs. And uh, they're preparing for war, 
but the war doesn't come. And they're like, what's going on here? Like, something is off. And then they realize that all the people that were supposed to stay neutral and, you know, not turn on him like they agreed in episode four, then episode four, they all turn on him together at the same time working for the Fikes. Like, the ultimate betrayal. Loved that. I was really upset when the Gamorrean guards got murked. Rest in peace, Gamorrean guards. That was weak, dude. (laughs) I thought Black Chewy was going to die, too. He ends up not dying. Nah, dude. He has... There's bigger things in store for him. What what I was thinking the entire episode is, please kill the Power Rangers. But uh, We're about to have a Black vs. Brown (laughs) Chewy off here. Yeah. Uh, So this just turns into like an all-out war. And uh, Grogu shows up, and you have, like, this crazy reunion with Mando and Grogu, which, you know, it hasn't been that long since they got separated. But I'm going to say that when they got reunited, you know, I I felt the feels. It it was a good moment. Uh, (laughs) Boba Fett just like, hold on, I need to go get something. He just bounces <laughs> and he shows back up with riding his fucking rancor. Dude, it's this so is so dope. This is so like dope. one of the coolest moments in Star Wars history. Watching Boba Fett ride a fucking rancor and just devastate. <laughs> like, it was I'm so good. Spa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, then we have uh, the two droidicas. Cad didn't give a fuck about that rancor, though. Let's be real here. He fucked that thing up real quick. No, no. Yeah, so so Cad basically bounces, and then, like, two super droidicas show up. And droidicas are those separatist droids from episode one that you'll remember when uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan were negotiating with the Trade Federation in episode one, at the very beginning of episode one, and they get betrayed by Newt Gunray, those those droidicas show up. That's what those fucking robots that they were using. I don't know if they have a different name. They must because they're different, but they are droidicas. They're just like giant super droidicas. I fucking loved that. It's crazy how much he knows. John Favreau yes. knows what's cool in Star Wars. Like he knows what people want to see to the T. Mm-hmm. Like droidicas were one of the coolest parts of Episode One. The Naboo fighter. Was one of the coolest parts of the original yep. the fir- uh, episodes. Well, I mean, was Favreau it- respects the prequels, dude. He, it's, Most it's of crazy. the fan base doesn't respect the se- the prequels, but John Favreau does because he's a fucking smart man. He's a gentleman with taste. Yeah, it's it's crazy <laughs> the disrespect episode one gets and. I mean, three's liked, isn't it? For the most part, I think I like people in retrospect came around to three. But I heard so much shit talking about three when it first came out too. Like it, that's a new sentiment. Like when when did Revenge of the Sith come out? Was it like two thousand three, two thousand four? I can't remember. It was around there, and I remember fucking loving it. And I remember having these just baffling conversations with people where they're talking shit about it. And I'm just like, 
I remember at the time just like not even knowing how to deal with it, you know, on an interpersonal level. Like I'd be talking to these people and I would just be so baffled that I didn't even know what to say to them because it's like they were experiencing a different reality from me. I fucking love Revenge of the Sith. It is. Dude, all the movies were dope. Clone Wars, General Grievous. They were all good. They were. All that shit. (laughs) Uh, I think that in as time has gone on, people have warmed up to Revenge of the Sith, but people still have not warmed up to Attack of the Clones or Phantom Menace. People still hate those two for some reason. I, I get, I get. Episode two, the, the all the romance with Anakin and Padme was cringy. I get it. Compartmentalization, homies. Okay, <laughs> there can be bad parts of great movies. It can happen. <laughs> Anyway, uh, when when Boba Fett shows up on his Rancor and just starts, like, getting in a boxing match with the Super Droidica, I was just sitting there just, like, I couldn't, I was like a little fucking kid on Christmas morning watching that shit. It was so good. I couldn't believe how awesome that was. Yeah, it's definitely, like, it feels like one of those things you make up in your head when you were a kid. Exactly. You know? But you didn't, and you're like, damn, why didn't I think of this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh I I liked I liked the way that Cad Bane showed up and scared the Rancor away. That was like Dude. some like that was some 4D chess shit. Dude, Cad knows Cad is one of those really cool villains where he actually like wins most of the time. Mm-hmm. You know? It was really cool to see this be the end for Cad because it was a really awesome end for him. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was. And I love the subversion. Like, because you, you hear a lot of people talk about subverting expectations. And usually when people say that now, they say it in a horrible way. Like, uh, the black elf from the fucking Lord of the Rings trailer we just watched. Oh, we're just subverting your expectations. No, 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 no. Subverting your expectations is when you have Boba Fett and Cad Bane duel and Cad Bane wins. Cad Bane won that duel. And oh, then, no doubt. then Boba Fett kind of cheated and took Cad Bane out with his fucking, uh, his, his sand people stick. Yeah. But... <laughs> Technically speaking, Cad Bane won that fucking duel. I would have never expected. It's called the Book of Boba Fett. You don't expect Cad Bane to beat Boba Fett in a fucking duel. Dude, Boba's but, not honorable, though. Come on. No. He, and you know Cad wouldn't have been honorable either. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, oh, man. Uh, I I love that. I love all that. Um <sighs> Man, I love this episode so much. I when it I was think, really well done. When I think about this episode, I I get like goosebumps a little bit, like reliving it in my mind. Uh, and we get to the part where, uh, you know, uh, Bane's dead, but then there's uh, the Rancor just kind of starts going insane and going like on a rampage, which I love that too. Like, cause you know, it's a Rancor. It's not a fucking. It's not Lassie. It's a fucking rancor. So I loved how it just started going on a rampage. And I loved how, again, this like puzzle writing, like all the puzzle pieces come together. You're like, why is Grogu here? Oh, he's just here to be here. No, Grogu 
is the secret weapon. He fucking uses Force Sleep on the Rancor, dude. I haven't seen Force Sleep since Jedi Knight 2. It, dude, and you're just you're, and then in that moment, you're like, Favreau played Jedi Knights 2, dude. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and it's like, oh, fuck, Kyle Katarn movie confirmed, written and directed by John Favreau. <laughs> Dude, whole oh. shit, dude. What if we get a Predator 1-style handshake, Kyle Katarn and the Mandalorian coming together for a power fist? Oh, dude, my God. That'd be unbelievable. <laughs> we don't... Can that even happen timeline-wise? I don't know. Hold on a second. What time... <laughs> When's Jedi Knights 2? Uh, that takes place in the same I think it actually takes place after so I think Kyle Katarn would not he'd be young I think that actually like when we play Dark Forces and we play Dark Forces 2 Jedi Knight I think that actually takes place like 10 15 years after where Book of Boba Fett takes place so there would have to be a time skip or something but it could happen. Like, they're close enough to where there could be a crossover there. Mm. Uh, That's all not canon anyways, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> who knows what canon is anymore? Canon is such a loosey-goosey thing at this point. But uh, so, so to finish the episode off, I think we we get Fennec Shan's best moment in the entire series. This was... Like Fennec Shand, you can say a lot about her. Like she's not bad. She's she has sort of weirdness, like with her character, like where she's like this ruthless bounty hunter, but she sort of has like this sort of mom energy. I don't know if you notice that or not. She had she, she yeah she has milf energy. Like she has like this like make sure you eat your sandwich at school today, or you know you're gonna be grounded. You need to grow big and strong. But by the way, I'm like one of the most deadly assassins on the planet. And uh, she shows at the end of this episode where it kind of just like cuts to the Pikes uh, hanging out with like those those dudes that betrayed Boba that were supposed to stay neutral, but didn't, it shows all of them in this lot. And they're like, what happened? How'd we lose? And they're like, I don't know. You mean Phil Lamar, (laughs) but we're leaving. And they're like, wait a second, we're leaving, but we just helped you betray Boba Fett. You can't leave us here. And they're like, well, good luck with that. Then Fennec Shan drops from the sky, like a black widow and just assassinates the entire room in like the coolest scene she has ever been in. That, the actress that plays Fennec Shan, Ming Hua, this was literally the coolest thing she's ever done in her life. It was out of Assassin's Creed, dude. It was sick as it was fuck. Super, it was super dope. She doesn't get enough action, dude. She's no. like one of those like I'll go to I'll even go as far to say that Ming Hua could be like a Sigourney Weaver Ripley level actress if she was given the chance definitely but she never was given the chance nope nope she was fucking amazing in sgu too like i always i've rewatched sgu like three or four times now and every time i watch it again i i look at her character better and better she was really good in that show she was like kind of an unsung hero of that show Dude, everyone was. Dude, everyone the worst was. People in that show were like good. Even Eli. <laughs> even Eli. <laughs> Fucking Eli, dude. The Wesley Crusher of SGU. <laughs> <laughs> Go play with your Kino, bitch. <laughs> uh, 
yes. Uh, so, so that's basically the end. That's the end of the Book of Boba Fett. There's one final scene where, and, and this was probably my least favorite part of the the last episode. It basically it just shows uh, Timothy Olfont's character in the back to tank. He's not dead. He's alive. That's essentially the message here. The final scene is him in the back to tank. With, uh, You're damn right, because my boy Timothy would not sign yeah. on the dotted line if he was going to get fucking taken out by some dude that gets taken out two episodes <laughs> later, dude. There's no and, way. <laughs> and they, and they strongly imply by the presence of one of those cyborg guys with their tools that they're going to cyborg up Timothy Olfont. So he essentially is about to be turned into a cyborg, and uh, that's how Book of Boba Fett ends. I I liked the idea of Timothy Olfont dying like that, like because that, I think dude. it really it really like cemented Cad Bane's role in this show when he killed Timothy Olfont. It's okay yeah. that he's alive. I kind of like the cyborg angle. It's kind of you know it's like it's like Man. um RoboCop. You know he's basically RoboCop now. He got killed in the line of duty by uh dude. you know. That's what's up. <laughs> oh, it, it, the guy, God, the guy. He's a robo Western guy. Yeah, like, you know, Michael Ironside murdered him, and now he's going to be revived as a as a robot, and that's cool. I just, I feel like it kind of cheapens Cad Bane a little bit by them doing that, but, uh, you know, it, grasping at straws here, episode seven was fucking well, Cad, amazing. I mean, Cad, must, I mean, how old Cad must be oh, <laughs> to be old. in this series, you know? He must be ten fucking a geezer he's old and uh to have the sway to be able to kill cad bane off really shows you that that uh john favreau has the keys to the kingdom now oh no doubt i get cad bane isn't luke skywalker you know but to just be allowed to kill off a character like him that is very prolific that's been in multiple shows that's had many aspects in the star wars universe to be able to just kill him like that to me says favreau gets to do what he wants now and that's good that's good for the future of star wars because that's what you want you want someone to have the keys that is willing and able to do shit like that yeah it's also what fuels the fire under other people's asses to create better things Mm -hmm. when the other things disappear off the shelf you know indeed indeed All right, broadcaster. As you know, here in the crack cellar, we have a official, patented Ghostbusters rating system in which we rate all of our clandestine operations on that system. Broadcaster, what do you rate the Book of Boba Fett? Well, uh, you know, every now and then, I just want to slime everything. <laughs> Just want to cover the world in slime. <laughs> I'll slime it all. <laughs> but the book of Boba Fett, while starting off slow, gentlemen and ladies, and other <laughs> zeros and ones, it picked up steam like the train from Back to the Future 3, dude. Okay? And I'm going to say, I'm just going to have to. I'm going to have to give it an S. I I mean, I 
I have to because the even if you cut the first four episodes out, you just delete them, throw them off into the void of space. All right, the last three episodes are an S, and there's so much an S that they they bleed out S energy to the mm. other four episodes. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. And it, it, I mean, it might be maybe it's just me gushing over. You know, episode one elements, episode, God, I'm getting old, I have to count now, episode six elements, <laughs> you know, like, it, it, it there's, who, it, Black Chewy, it, that alone, just to create the brand new elements, creativity, people, creativity, that was there, is just, it's astounding, and it's so hopeful for the it makes me so hopeful for the future of the ip and just the entertainment industry in general when people like john favreau can come along and like you just said moments ago have the keys of the castle and be able to kill off prolific characters like cad bane you know that is so rare and even when it is done most of the time it's lame and people regret it and they're Mm -hmm. like really that's it Mm -hmm. you know but you there's none of that in this series none of that none and how excited does book of boba fett make you for mando season three because like i was i was excited for mando season three but it was like it was a slow simmering excitement after watching book of boba fett i am fucking pumped for season three of mando because you know that it's essentially just gonna be a continuation of book of boba fett that's what the final three episodes were Mando was in the entire thing for the final three episodes. He was a main character. It, it it was a continuation of the Mandalorian. It was him paying back Boba Fett for when Boba Fett helped him out yeah, in Mando sure. season two. And now I you sh- look at I- season three and you're just like, oh, God, the possibilities. He's got Grogu back. He has the Naboo Starfighter. He has uh, Boba Fett and Fennec Shand as, like, his buddies now. Like, like what the fuck are they going to do in season three? Like, it, yeah. Oh, man. Something, you know, I'm glad you just said that about Grogu because I forgot to bring this up when you were bringing up the choice Ahsoka gave him mm-hmm. with the lightsaber of the mail. Oh, this is Luke, very. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Luke. Um, that was very reminiscent of Yoda giving the choice to Luke oh, to go save yeah. his friends from Darth Vader. I forgot. You're right. That is exactly the same. So, oh. so when, when you were bringing it up as like this total ultimatum, like he's never going to see Luke again and he's not going to do the Jedi path. Not at all. It actually means the opposite. It probably means that they're paying homage and crafting his Jedi way to the same way Luke's played out. Yeah. But in a young Yoda, which mm-hmm. is super cool and meta in a way, you know, so totally. Totally. And I think one thing that episode six proved is that Luke Skywalker is not just a prop in this universe. He is a living, breathing character. And they're the sky. I was really surprised by me too. I'm not going to lie. But now you look at Mando season three and the sky is the fucking limit, dude. Like with Luke could be in the entire season three for all we know. Like there's so much potential it reminds me. I hope not. It reminds me not. of Destiny. Let's just hope it doesn't end like Destiny. Luke CGI Luke. While I I love that his voice got is getting better. I love that it only can go up from here as far as CGI goes. 
he's still alien and it's not it's not real and i feel like they still need to treat it like that you know it needs to be like a cherry on top i don't want him to be like this character that sticks around too long in scenes where you start to notice the flaws because that's going to start to ruin the character i, I mean think. it's a fair point i mean that's a fair point i agree with you to a certain extent but at the same time the no one I, CGI. I just like in my head like i just imagine like season three of mando like with mando grogu and jedi master luke like going on missions together like I just like imagine that in my head, and I'm just like, oh god, like <laughs> that, means no that like that could literally break my brain thinking about how sick that could be. But I mean, I agree with you too. Like you don't you don't want to see the magician behind the fucking curtain. Yeah. I agree with you on that. But uh, well, either way, that's a long winded way of me uh, getting to my rank, which is also a big fat boogeyman. This is the best of the best. People that talk shit about Book of Boba Fett, I think they're a bunch of jobbers. I think they're a bunch of jabronis. Uh, I have no respect for them. I think they're intellectually <laughs> bankrupt, and I think this is... swollen amygdalas, dude. Yeah, they got swollen fucking amygdalas, and I think that they can go all jump into a fucking sarlacc pit and get bone-fucked by a tentacle. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Book of Boba Fett is a hard S, and uh, with that, we will close out. Polynesian spa.